Well, it's good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Now, I was putting together the message, and the title of the message is, is You Must Be Born Again, Part 1. Now, there's a reason for it being a part one. As I was writing this message and, and praying, and there's a lot here. And so we went ahead and split it because my homiletics professor used to say, people's ears and minds can only endure so long as their rear ends can endure in the pew. So, you must be born again, part one. As you have your Bibles, turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 3. We're going to be in chapter 3 today. A Baptist and a Methodist are standing at the side of the road, and they're holding a sign. It says, Turn around! The end is nigh! And a young man passing by in a car leans out to shout, shout at them, and he says, Go home, you religious freaks! And races away. Well, a moment later, they hear a loud yell and a loud splash. And the Baptist turns to the Methodist and says, I told you, we should have just said, warning, bridge collapsed. So, <laughs> we're back in the Gospel of John today, and it was written between 90 AD and 100 AD. Scholars also believe that John wrote the three epistles and the book of Revelation around the same time as he wrote the Gospel. The Gospel of John is the, considered the spiritual Gospel gives us a look of behind the scenes in the spiritual realm, so to speak. Uh, go up a few more verses to John chapter 2, verse 23, and we're going to start there. I'll be initially reading out of the New King James Version, and it reads like this. Now, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover during the feast, many believed in his name, and when they saw the signs which he did. But Jesus did not commit himself to them, because he knew all men. And had no need that anyone should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. And this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, You must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. And so is everyone who is born of the Spirit. And Nicodemus answered and said to him, How can these things be? And Jesus answered and said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel and do not know these things? Most assuredly, I say to you, we speak what we know and testify what we have seen, and you do not receive our witness. For I have told you earthly things and you do not believe. How will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven, that is, the Son of Man who is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, 
that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, it's been an interesting week for all of us. And as we come to the table of your word, where we may be fed upon spiritually, we say, Lord, if there be any sin that we've forgotten to confess, that we ask that you would forgive us and that you would cleanse us from all unrighteousness according to your scripture in 1 John 1 and 9, that if we confess our sins, that you are faithful and just and you will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, Lord, as we sit here, we pray for those that are not here, those that are sick, those that haven't even made it yet, Lord, those that you're calling to this church. We call them forth from the north, the south, the east, and the west. Lord, you said pray that you would send the workers, for the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. We thank you for the workers you have sent. We ask that you send us more, Lord, for we want to see a great harvest in this end times. And we praise you for it all in Jesus' mighty name. And the church said, Amen. Amen. All right. If you aren't born again, then you aren't really part of God's church. You're just playing church. That's our life principle today. If you're not born again, you're not really part of God's church. You're just playing church. So what does that mean? Well, that means that, point one, you must be born again. You must be. Or what you're doing here makes no sense. Let's look at the first few verses, verse 23 of chapter 2. Because of the miraculous signs Jesus did in Jerusalem at the Passover celebration, many began to trust him. But Jesus didn't trust them because he knew all about people. No one needed to tell him about human nature, for he knew what was in each person's heart. And there was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. And after dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus, and he said, Rabbi, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. And Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean, exclaimed Nicodemus? How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? And Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The winds blow wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind, but you can't tell where it comes from or where it is going. So you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. 
Now here Jesus has just cleansed the temple, which we discussed last week. And then you have this strange little part at the end of John chapter 2. And it says that while he was in Jerusalem during the Passover celebration, that he did miracles amongst the people, just like he always did. But it says that many believed in him, but he didn't trust that crowd of people. He didn't trust them. Well, what does that mean? Well, to put it succinctly, these people believed in the miracles of Jesus because they saw what happened with their own eyes and they wanted to see more. And they wanted to be around more miracles, but Jesus knew that they didn't truly want to be with Him. They sought the signs and miracles, but not Jesus. And this happens today. I can't tell you the number of people who go from church to church looking for miracles. They seek God's hand and His power, but not Him. And are these kinds of people truly saved? Are they truly Christians? I would say the vast majority are not. I would say that they are just looking for signs and wonders and miracles. Whether it's fake or not, that's what they're looking for. Well, the question's asked, well, how can you be so sure, Pastor? Well, because Jesus warned us of these kinds of people in Matthew seven twenty one through 23. He said, Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and performed many more miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's law. And there are many people today who live in open, blatant rebellion against God and then want to call on Him for His goodness and His miracles. Let me tell you something. I know of an individual who lived with a man for 15 years without being married to him and called called herself a prophet. I don't think so. That's open, blatant sin. You see, if you say that you love God and if you love someone, you don't, you don't do things against them that you know is going to compromise your relationship with them, do you? You know, that same thing applies to Jesus Christ. That same thing applies to God, the Almighty Maker of heaven and earth. With these kinds of people, He wasted no time on them. Because why? The Scripture says He couldn't trust them. However, one person did come to Jesus sincerely uh, during that time. He came at night. And his name was Nicodemus, and he came after all the day's activities had been done. You might want to call him Nick at night. Anybody remember that, Nick at night? Never mind. Nicodemus, being who he was, he had two basic hats that he wore. The first hat, he was a Pharisee. Now, as a Pharisee, he believed in miracles and the resurrection. And the Pharisees weren't the only school of thought in Jewish religion at the time. Uh, The other major school of thought, but a smaller one, believed that there was no resurrection. And when you died, you just died. You became worm food. And they didn't believe in life after death. And they were called the Sadducees. And you can remember that because they were sad, you see. So... And hat number two, he was a ruler of the Jews. 
He was an important man. He was a ruler and teacher of the Jews. He wore his fine robes and prayer shawl when he was in public. If you were walking down the sidewalk and he was walking down the sidewalk, you got out of his way because he's not going to step off the sidewalk because he's too important of a man. That's the kind of power that he wielded at that time. And so this man, this important leader, comes to Jesus at night. Now over the years, many have called Nicodemus a coward because he came at night. And maybe because he didn't want to be seen. And that's a possibility he didn't want to be seen, but I don't think so. I don't think that's the case at all. Put it in its context. This was Passover time. During this time, there were ceremonies and duties to be attended to during the day. And Nicodemus would have been one of those attending to those duties. And so after the day is done, he comes to see Jesus. Now Jesus, during the day, what was he doing? Well, he was busy as well. He would have been teaching and performing miracles during the day and probably had a very large crowd around him. I believe the night just kind of worked better for both of their schedules, that's all. Don't read too much into the time aspect of the encounter. The Bible says, do not go what, beyond what is written. Let's look at verse 2, John 3, 2 and 3. After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus, and he said, Rabbi, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. And Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Look at what Nicodemus' words here. He starts with the term rabbi. Now this is a familiar term, a term of respect, and it means teacher. Notice Jesus' miracles here were not in question. The miracles were believed to be evidence of his authority to teach the people. And so this Nicodemus, who is a ruler over the Jews, because he has seen the miracles and heard the reports, he comes to Jesus and he says, Rabbi. He uses a respectful term, teacher. And he says, we know you're from God. Because no one can do the miracles that you do. So what does Jesus respond with? Well, he gives him some truth, the ultimate truth, really. He reveals his entire purpose for coming to earth within the next few minutes. Jesus tells him, you cannot even see God's kingdom unless you are born again. The scriptures make it absolutely no sense to someone who is not a born-again believer. You can get some of it, but you're not going to get the the truth of it. If you're not a born-again believer, you're not a true Christian. And when we read the scriptures in our fleshly nature... We're always going to make the wrong interpretation and application. One time somebody asked me, why are there so many denominations? And I said, because some people read it differently because they're reading it in their flesh, not in the Spirit. The Scripture makes absolutely no sense to someone who's not born again. Why? Because we don't have the new nature and the Holy Spirit illuminating the Scriptures to us. You must have that new nature. You must have the Holy Spirit who illuminates, who brings to life the very words of God as written in the Scriptures. Otherwise, they make no sense. The first warning sign I see is when anybody tells me, Pastor, I'm no longer being fed at your church. Well, that tells me, one, you're not plugged in somewhere, and two, you're not doing Bible study at home. You're not spending time with God. Because if that were the case, when you came together, 
you would find that you are being fed from the Scriptures. I read the Scriptures directly to you. Don't know why I went down that rabbit trail, but I shot it and brought it back. 1 John 2.27 says, But you have received the Holy Spirit, and He lives within you. So you don't need anyone to teach you what is true. For the Spirit teaches you everything you need to know. And what He teaches is true. It is not a lie. So just as He taught you, remain in fellowship with Christ. Without the Spirit of God, you cannot even see God's purpose in the Scriptures, much less apply them correctly to your life. Look at verses in of our main text, verse 4. What do you mean, exclaimed Nicodemus? How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? And Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. Nicodemus is having trouble understanding Jesus' words. This great teacher of the Jews just doesn't get it. Why? Because he's not a born-again believer. He's not born again of the water and the Spirit of God. So Jesus clarifies that he must be born of the Spirit of God. He says it again in verse 7. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows where it wants. Just as you can hear the wind but can't tell where it comes from or where it is going, so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. And he said, you, you cannot physically see somebody going through the new birth. But you can see the evidence of that new birth, just like you can see the evidence of the wind when it blows. Well, what is this evidence there to see? How, how do we know it? How do we know that even our faith is true and we're not just kidding ourselves? Well, we're given a test in Galatians 5.22. And it reads, But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in your lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to His cross and crucified them there. And since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. Do you have to tell a banana tree to produce bananas? Just a question. Do you have to tell an orange tree to produce oranges or a fig tree to produce figs? No. No, you don't. You ever wonder why not? Because it's their nature to produce those things. That's what they're there for. That's what they do. It is their nature. It is what they are. And that is just like a true Christian. It is in the true Christian's nature to produce the fruit of the Spirit. And notice it says fruit and not fruits, plural. This fruit has some characteristics to it, and just like oranges, it grows in the believer's life and becomes more pronounced as the time goes on. An orange doesn't show up fully formed, does it? Neither does a true believer. This fruit of the Spirit, as it grows in your life, will push down the sinful fruit, the sinful nature. You don't have to work on the fruit. You don't have to say, I need to work on the fruit of the Spirit. Because it grows naturally the closer to God that you get through His Word and prayer. 
the more time you spend with God, the more like God you look, and the more this fruit looks like you, and you look like it. The aspects of this fruit in a person's life is love. We look at one side of this fruit, and you've got love. We look at another side of this fruit, and you've got joy. You look at another side, you've got peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. All of this fruit has all these facets to it. So the question is, how does one become born again? John 3, 5, Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. First, unless one is born again, you can't see the kingdom of God. We know that. And now Jesus also says, if you're not born again, you can't enter the kingdom of God either. Meaning that the born-again experience that is provided by grace and trusting in the gospel is the only way to see and enter the kingdom of God. That's it. How is this accomplished? Well, Jesus says you must be born of water and the Spirit. And this term here, water, has been misunderstood by many people over over the ages. It's not talking about physical baptism or about being physically born. The Word of God is the water. It's often referred to as water. Why? Think about it. What does water do? It washes away dirt, sweat, and grime. It's a cleansing agent. We use water to wash many things. You use water to wash your cars, your dishes, even your bodies. I hope. And this is what God's Word does for our minds and our spirits as well. You don't believe me? Look at God's Word. Ephesians 5.26 says, To make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's Word. Titus 3.5 says he saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. John 7.37 says on the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and he shouted to the crowds, Anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. And when he said living water, he was speaking of the Spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him. But the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet entered into his glory. You see, the Bible isn't about just reading and studying intellectually, believing the Scripture. As we said earlier, you cannot truly understand Scripture unless you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, teaching you. You must be born again by the Word and the Spirit of God which is given to all believers to lead us and guide us into the paths of righteous living and understanding. Where are you on your journey with God? Are you sure that you're born again by the Word of God and the Spirit of God? Are you sure? If not, then you just need to remember if you aren't born again, then... You aren't part of God's church, not really. You're just playing at it. You're wasting your time and everyone else's. Are you sure that you're sure that when you close your eyes, as the ladies come to sing, are you sure that when you close your eyes, you're going to wake up in glory one day? If you are, how's that walk with God how's that time you spend with the water and the word 
How's that time you spend being taught by the Holy Spirit? You know, the Bible says to meditate on the Scriptures. We have this weird sense of what meditation is. We think it's, it's like transcendental meditation. You see those guys, they have their hands, oh, that's not meditation. That's ridiculous. To meditate on God's Word, it has the image of a cow. You know a cow has multiple stomachs, right? Well, when he eats that grass, that grass goes in one, comes back up and goes down the other. I know that sounds gross, but guess what? That's what you're supposed to do with the Word of God all day long. Meditate on it. No matter what you're doing, let it come up and go back down. Lord, what was that I read this morning in our daily bread? Oh, yeah. Lord, what was that that I read in, in a psalm this morning? Or I read in a chapter in the New Testament this morning? Or the Old Testament? Oh, yeah. Purposefully, purposefully bring it up and bring it down. And you watch that if you pray while you're doing that, Lord, open my mind to the Scriptures. I want to be like you. You'll see that fruit of the Spirit begin to grow exponentially. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. But if you're not born again, here's what you need to believe. That Jesus is the only begotten of the Father. We say He's the Son of God, which in, old te- or in, in that time meant that He was equal with God. That's why the Jews wanted to kill Him. Because He proclaimed to be equal with God. He proclaimed to be God. And so they picked up stones to stone him a couple of times. Jesus is God, made manifest in the flesh. And for 30 years, he lived a normal human existence. And then for three years, he did signs and wonders and miracles that proclaimed him the Son of God, that proclaimed him God in the flesh. And then what happened? Well, then his time was up. He had to be crucified for our sins. You see, because He was perfect. In the book of Hebrews, we find that He had no sin. But that He would become sin for us. That He would take that sacrifice for us. You know, we used to play paintball years ago. And if you got too close to somebody, you'd just say, take the hit. Because if you shoot them too close, it leaves a nice little round bruise. He took the hit. And it was more than a bruise. He died. But three days later, he rose again from the grave. And he took victory over death, hell, and the grave. And he said, you know what? I'm coming back. He said, you know what? Those who believe on me, by the way, that is a continual verb, meaning that it is not just believe and move on. It's the believing one, the one who continues to believe. Because if you believe, you're always going to believe, correct? If you're truly believing. If you're truly believing. Those who believe on Him will be saved. Not might be, not should be, not could be, will be. Period. Whether you're listening by podcast or online, are you sure? 
Are you sure that you're sure? If so, praise the Lord. How's your relationship with Him? If not, all you've got to do is say, Jesus, I need you. I believe. That's it. Because it's, it's not what you say, but what's in the heart as you say it. Jesus, I believe. Come into my heart. Come into my life. Be my master. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. If you've never had the experience of being born again, then you were never born again. You must have that experience. So as we sing and pray, if you'd like to come to know Jesus or you don't, you're kind of unsure how to do that, I can introduce you to him. I can't save you. He does it. If you'd like to join this church by letter, statement, or baptism, we can do that too. As we stand and sing the invitation song, hymn, what is it?